podcast, where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you are doing well today. Today, we're going to answer some questions from listeners. If you ever want to send me a question you'd like me to answer, message me on Facebook. Go to The Awakened Man page on Facebook, and I will answer these. So today, we're going to answer four questions. Let's get to it. One of them, Gregory. I find your infusion of religion off-putting in your episodes. This is from Anonymous, of course, Anonymous. Anonymous says that religion is the opium of the of the people, and he is disappointed that I would believe in Christianity. Well, look, okay, so a couple of things. Religion's the opium of the masses, right? This comes from Karl Marx. Karl Marx said this because he wanted you to be worshiping the state instead of God, and he saw religion, Christianity, as the direct threat to what he wanted. So I'm really not going to pay a lot of attention to a man who wrought, and his followers wrought so much destruction in the 20th century. In fact, if you look at the 20th century, it was godless societies, communist nations, and so forth that killed the most people, if you think about it conservatively 50 million people died under the Soviet Union about the seven mount under Mao and the cultural revolution and in the great leap forward all the collectivization plans you look at a third of Cambodia was murdered under Pol Pot and so forth and so forth so look I'm not going to listen to what Karl Marx says but in terms of what you find the fact that I am a traditional Catholic off-putting to be honest I don't care just don't listen to my content I have to be true to who I am and part of being a Christian, as Christ said in the Great Commission when he was ascended, was you must teach and preach in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we are all expected to proselytize. We are all expected to share the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And so if you don't want to hear this stuff, then go listen to an atheist channel. I know that most MGTOW red pill content creators on YouTube and on podcasting don't share their religion because honestly most of them aren't religious you know there is this strand because we live in a post-christian world i know yes churches are still open (laughs) you heard the recent supreme court decision but churches are still open but certainly we don't live in a christian milieu like we did through the better times of the united states we're in a post-christian world where christian values are maligned and because you are not in this world, but rather of this world, so many Christians, so many so many men have fallen away and lost their faith. And then even so many men who say they're Christians are really of this world and not in this world. And so what I mean by that, and that's a, that's a term from the Bible, what I mean by that is they've embraced a lot of the, the thoughts and ideology of postmodernism, 
Marxism, relativism, indifferentism, all these things. So I'm not surprised a large majority of men are turned off by a man talking about Christianity. But I don't care because I am responsible to Christ. And you're... My salvation is not linked to you. I am not beholden to you. I am beholden to Christ. So when I die, he's going to ask me, what did I do with the talents that he gave me? And I have to say that whatever opportunity I have, and you know, this is a small podcast, whatever opportunity I have, I'm not going to malign or dismiss or be afraid of proclaiming my faith. Because that's not what Christians are meant to do. So if you don't like my content or if you don't like the fact that I talk about religion or how religion's important and the optimization of the big MGTOW man, we can respectfully disagree. But I think religion is extremely important for men. I think it keeps you grounded. There's tons of studies that show that. Gratitude is so important. And look, without Christianity, there is no morals. There's no morality. There's nothing that teaches morality. You don't have universal uh, preferable behavior or anything like this. They haven't found a replacement of when you take away Christianity, what is going to fill that that teaching role of morality? Because religion did this. Religion gave the poor and the rich a guideline, like you shall not bear false witness, you shall not steal, you shall not cheat. And if you do these things and you're unrepentant, this is what's going to happen. Also, it mitigated the envy that the working class and the poor had and the serfs throughout the Middle Ages and so forth, because like, oh, I might not have this life, you know, the manor and the lords have all this, but when I die, um, I'll be able to go to heaven if I'm a good person. And we know that it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to go to heaven. So they would take comfort in this. But now that you've taken religion out of everything, now we're like the animal world where it's all instinct, do what you have to do to survive. And if you believe there's nothing wrong and there's no great camcorder in the sky, there's nothing wrong with stealing and cheating because there's no heaven or hell. So I got to do what I got to do to get ahead in this life because this is the only life that matters. And this is like the animal kingdom then you're going to do that. So irreligious people tend to be uh, more hedonistic, and they tend to feel that, that, that opening that we have that is meant to proclaim and praise God, and they fill it with some ideology, so another ideology, veganism, you know, um, working out too much, atheism, whatever. You're going to fill it with something. Shopping too much. So you're going to see in America as we become a post-Christian world and and Christians are not doing a good job of catechizing their offspring. So they're more likely that their offspring are going to end up being the same thing. Watered down Christians are turning away from their own faith. Uh, You're eventually going to see America as you see it now just lose all of its moral compass. And that's the road we're going. So look, in closing... I'll pray for you, and I pray for all men. Christ is there for you. Look at the parable of the prodigal son. Christ is there for you. He'll always be there for you whenever you turn back. But turn back and pray to him. And what makes this this time so perilous is because it's more perilous than when Christians were being eaten at the Colosseum in Roman times because we didn't have Christianity at that time, of course, right? So it was the blood of the martyrs that spread the faith. 
But for the 2,000 years of Christendom, now we're going post-Christian and we know about Christianity. 2,000 years. Christianity gave us so much. The first hospitals, the first universities, education, orphanages, all these things. And now we're turning away from it. To what? What are we turning away to? The debauchery and moral lassitude of Marxism? Oh, well, that's going to be great. Either way, buddy, I'm responsible to Christ. My salvation comes through him, not through you. So honestly, I'm not going to fail your shit test. So, you know, go go listen to something else. And lastly, let's talk about Pascal's wager. I've talked about Pascal's wager. So if you look at Pascal's wager, if I am wrong and there is no God, and when we die, we just are maggot food, all right, that's the worst thing that happens to me. Best thing that happens to me is I go to heaven. If you're wrong, atheist, and if you're right, let's just say, the best thing that happens to you is annihilation, great. Worst thing that happens to you is you go to hell. So I'm not saying that this is like a cogent argument for why all people should be Christians. But I think there's a certain amount of intellectual arrogance in any atheists or agnostics. Agnostics are honestly even worse because they're like, eh, there might be a God, but you know what? I'd rather just watch Netflix instead of actually thinking about it. So guys, look, I, to me, I find I find a life without God to be empty. It would be an empty life. It'd be an empty life that would lead to hedonism and nihilism. But either way. All right, let's go to question number two. It's a question from Bob. Bobbert. Bobbert says he wants to lose weight. He respects my story of losing over 100 pounds and keeping it on for 30 years. And uh, he's lost 20 pounds and he's trying to do uh, keto, low carb keto mixed with some fasting. He's seen some results, but uh, he says that keto isn't really appealing to him. He wants my take. Well, I would recommend uh, go check out my book, Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior. It's on Amazon. Uh, that I talk about some of the tips that I use to keep up my weight for so long. And look, let me tell you, weight maintenance is much harder than weight loss. And it's something like 85% of people who lose 50 pounds or more regain it in three years. So for any of you who've lost weight, that is amazing. Great. Keep it up because it only gets harder. Now, you have to fundamentally change your paradigm and how you approach food, how you approach exercise, how you approach sleep. You have to purge your childhood demons because it was typical of those childhood demons that made you overweight. I talk about a lot of this here in Confessions of an Obese Child over that podcast. But uh, I think it's great that you're trying to lose weight. But I, I think you need to do the deep work because most of this uh, disordered eating comes from sort of trauma. So you're overweight. You've lost 15 pounds through, through low-carb keto. So you, you you weren't too clear. So keto is under 50 grams of total carbs a day. Low-carb is 150 to 50. Keto is not something that I particularly find enjoyable. I think I've mentioned here many times that I fast. I've, this is November-ish, so I, it's been six years now. It's been six years where I daily fast. I have not eaten before. I think I've eaten from the 11 to 12 o'clock hour one time in the last six years, but in most days in the last six years, it's been maybe I start eating around one. And in the last, I think, nine months, I've been doing uh, a 24. So I start eating at three, and then I finish at seven. And fasting, I think, is a, a great way to go. Bobbert here, Bob. Um, keto, some people get the keto headache. Some people just can't handle keto. 
and look, I mean, there are people who do the carnivore diet. There's people who do the Atkins, and you certainly can live off a of steak and bacon and eggs and, and all these things with, with salad to a certain extent. you got to get your roughage, I would recommend. Some carnivore diet people say you don't need any of that, but um, it's just not my cup of tea, and everybody's different. There are gonna find You are going to find people that can do keto every day in, day out, under 50 grams of fat. And if you combine keto with fasting, you certainly drop more weight because keto is essentially the same thing as fasting. It's the the kind of the the keto, uh, it's it's the dietary fasting. So under fasting, what happens is after a certain amount of time, you're just burning the fat off your body because there's no more glucose on your body, either in the liver or anywhere for the brain and the organs to run off of. So it runs off of your fat reserves. So when you are eating keto, it's essentially the same thing. You are only eating fat, so the body's going to run and burn off of fat because there's no carbs in you. So it's essentially the same principle as fasting. But maybe uh, you you having the keto headache and in fasting is a little too much. You figure it out for yourself. Also, look, I am not one of these guys who says you can never eat flour, you can never eat bread, you can never eat pasta. I mean, if you're trying to lose weight, I, I don't have a problem with that. But lifelong, man, I'm just, you know, I, I love Mark Sisson and I love the paleo primal kind of people. But to me, life is worth living. And sometimes you just got to eat some good naan with hummus. And sometimes you got to have that slice of cake. And I don't want to live a life where I never have any flour. Hey, yeah, you can bake stuff with coconut flour and stuff like that. But in general, I'm just not one of those guys. I personally would recommend to you that if keto isn't working for you, go low carb. You can do low carb. And then uh, keep fasting, and um, fasting should help. And uh, you didn't really tell me how much you need to lose, but uh, make sure you get your sleep because we know insomnia is is linked to uh, weight gain and early death. And uh, make sure you get some exercise in. Now, you can lose weight without exercising, but the the benefit of exercise is that it does give you a little more leeway to eat a little more because you're burning those calories. And do strain training as well. But the main reason exercise is great is just you get the dopamine hit. You know, you're going to be less chance of being depressed. You you get that 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 runner's high, that cardio high, that lifting high, and I think anything that keeps you away from the sickening antidepressants with the the horrible side effects like suicidal ideation and so forth, the better. So get to stay off of big pharma. I mean, that's pretty much the big message of the awakened man. All right, number three. All right, we got a guy named what's your name, Jason. Jason is dating, he's 48, and he's dating a 45-year-old mom of three. And he's been dating her for two years, and uh, she's successful. She has a white-collar profession, and uh, he wants to know what I what I think of that. Well, Jason, I think you know what I'm going to think of that. Why would you be dating a 45-single mom of three kids? Why? Why? Why are you doing that? I mean, really think about the answer. You're 48. Okay, I get it. Um, a lot of it really just has to do with the relationship thirst. If you've purged the thirst and you know you're never going to marry her, which so far you haven't because you've been dating her for a few years now, uh, I guess there's really no harm in it aside from just, you know, whatever, if she ever snaps or if she realizes you don't want to you, you don't wanna marry her. Mm, tea's too hot. Sorry, I just drank some tea. Look, and I know some of you are like, oh, Gregory, you think all women are going to false allege and throw men in. No, I don't. I didn't say all women. I'm just saying the system, the court system allows any woman to boop, 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 call the police and get your life screwed. So if you're going big town monk, you don't have to worry about that as much. 
Uh, with a 45-year-old, you don't have to worry about getting her pregnant. You still don't have to worry about STDs because, I mean, most women at that age have been ridden through more than the Holland Tunnel. And uh, you don't have to worry about cluster B. So I would tell you, why, why, why do you feel like she's the catch? Why don't you just be single completely or try to get a woman who's younger and more attractive and has less baggage? What It doesn't say much about her. I can understand why any 45-year-old mom, single mom, would want to be with any man in general, right? They, they need the validation. They need the provisioning and all this. So I'm not mad at her or don't understand why she's with you. I'm mad at you. What does it say about you that you're with a 45-year-old single mom? Or you could apply this to a 36-year-old single mom. Or you could apply this to anything. A woman with tons of debt, a woman with tons of tattoos, a woman who treats you with disrespect, whatever. It says that you don't think you're the catch. You have scarcity mindset. You have one-eyed. I can't do better than this woman, blah, blah, blah. And look, the longer you're with this woman, the more likely, especially if you're not very masculine, that you're going to get browbeaten to signing the contract. Or you're more likely to fall in love and get Johnson napped. But though I honestly don't know how you can get Johnson napped from a 45-year-old. Take a nap from a 45-year-old. But Yeah, uh, I would tell you to break it off. I mean, again, why are you with her? If it's if, if you're with her for companionship and you kind of like the kids. And so, I mean, I, I guess that's fine if as long as you don't sign the contract. But just remember with those, those, those kids, you know, I have an episode here why you should never be a stepdad. Those kids are not going to be beholden to you. You're not their biological father. And if you're spending any money on them, that's even worse because you're spending money on raising another man's seed. Eventually, they're going to get to the age where they're going to say, you're not my dad. And also, you run the risk of, though this is rare since she's 45, but she could monkey branch away from you and you never see those kids again. So you develop this close relationship with these kids and you never see them again. So I would recommend to you that you look in the mirror, work on yourself, Posit the question why you'd want to even be dating a 45-year-old single mom and move on from her. Go your own way completely. And if you want to do short terms or we're going to talk about sugar daddies in a second. If you want to be a sugar daddy and all these, all right, I think that's a better option than being with a single mom. No offense to to single moms who are 45, but this is a man's channel. All right, uh, last one today. We got a guy named Jacob. He spells it with a K, so maybe he's from Europe. He wants my opinion on sugar daddy sites. Okay, so if you're not familiar with sugar sites, sugar sites, and I think the biggest one is Seeking. Sugar sites are a place, kind of like a, a match or, or plenty of whales, where men of a certain age and money can go and find uh, women of a certain age, typically in their 20s, and you can negotiate some sort of contract, and there's different ways they do it. Sometimes the girl, and uh, most of the time they're at college age, will set a rate, like $3,000 a month. And for that, you enter some arrangement where you pay her that amount of money, and then you negotiate whatever you want for that amount. Now, it could be uh, like an escort, or like you, you have to go with me to these functions, or we're going to go on this trip, or, or I'm gonna, you're going to sleep with me. Now, the, the sexual part of it is never negotiated because this is why sugar sites are not banned is because there's no explicit uh, proof that it's sex for money. So these sites like Seeking, it's more like money for companionship. It's kind of like the Asian massage parlors, right? You just give a little more and they'll give you the happy ending. 
So it's the same thing here. So th this is what I would tell you. Look, I don't know how much money you have and so forth, but you know, uh, there's people like Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. He was kind of caught doing these things. If you're like Jimmy, Jerry Jones and these guys who are multi, multi-millionaires, but you want some some loving from a, a young, nubile beauty, but you certainly don't want to get married or get denapped or anything like that. I don't have really a problem with sugar sites. Now, let me tell you, I did. I've I've been to these sites just curiosity, and you'll be amazed how many post wall overweight thoughts that are over there. Forty year old single moms, you know, because some of these women actually make money off of it. And same for um, what's the OnlyFans? There are single moms that make money off of OnlyFans. People will spend money to see these women naked. It's just so pathetic. Again, it has to do with the simpery of men that they would spend money on 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 strip joints and and uh, OnlyFans women and webcam girls and all these things because that's even more pathetic because at least with a sugar baby, at least you're like have, maybe having sex with her or at least you know you you have the trappings of a relationship so at least you could touch her you know to to have a reductionist argument at least you can touch her whereas webcam girls and only fans it's even more pathetic i mean they're just they're just taking advantage of you they're manipulating you so if you're one of these guys who's got tons of tons of money and two thousand three thousand dollars a month is is not a lot for you to to be seeing some 21 year old college co-ed all right that's fine and look i i saw this crazy stat it's something like 10 percent to 20% of girls at large universities are in are on these sugar sites, they're sugar babies. And I guess the way they look at it is, look, well, I mean, they're smart, right? Their sexual market value is their highest. A lot of them have college debt. A lot of them want to get the narcissistic supply of being with an older man, right? And uh, they want the money. Simple as that. They want, they want it to fund their lifestyle because women are human Beings and not human doers, this is one way they can parlay their beauty into getting money from simpy men. So you see these women, uh, a, lot, a lot of college co-eds, your own daughter could be this. And this came out because there was that girl in Utah last year who was murdered. And then you found out that she was a sugar girl. And she was like an LDS Mormon girl. And you found out she was a sugar girl. Yeah, sugar baby. So, look, my my overall take of this is anything that keeps you off the marriage contract, the plantation, is worth it. We have this argument with fapping versus no fapping, masturbating. And, look, I'm not of the no fap party. If if masturbating keeps you off the, the wedding contract or keeps you from falling in love, then fap. Or if you need to see a hooker, you know, do what you need to do. Because, you know, the cynical argument is marriage is the most expensive form of prostitution because you're still exchanging, giving money or spending for access, right? Her access. So I would say overall, though, sugar sites are a complete waste of money from the typical man because that money you could be using for investing or, or whatever, buying a sports car, whatever you want. You could do it with a better use of money than spending on these these thoughts. And also it just reinforces the the debauchery of this society that you essentially have these women for sale. And, and this goes back to my, my, this goes full circle, to my Catholic uh, underpinnings that I am not a fan of the Tinder hookup world that we live in, the pump and dump, because all we're doing is just destroying more women. You're just destroying more women by pumping and dumping. And, you know, yes, a lot of these women choose to live in this world of thoughtery and be sugar babies doesn't make it better, right? If there were no men to pay for their OnlyFans account or no men that would go to these sites, society in general would be better if women and men were more virtuous and would go back to just, I don't know, I don't know some strange concept of, of not fornicating until being married if you're going to get married. But look, 
that's the trad con in me. But in general, Jacob, I would recommend that you don't. You didn't tell me how much you make. Again, uh, if, if you want to find a sugar baby that doesn't charge a lot, or if you want to try it out for a month or two, that's your choice, of course. But overall, I would not recommend it unless you're a multimillionaire. All right, we're going to do a second mailbag this week. Till then, website's Naturopathic Earth. Go check out all the articles we have over there. There's a link in the episode notes. I'm an Amazon affiliate, so click on the, the link. Go to naturopathicearth.com, click under articles and go to the food recipes, click on one of the recipes and you'll see a link to Amazon. That gets you to Amazon. Anything you buy within 24 hours through our link, we get a 2% commission, no expense to you. Also, there's a PayPal link in the episode notes. Click and donate whatever you can if you appreciate this content at all. Go to Amazon, buy my two books, Confessions of an Obese Child and Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior, available on paperback or Kindle. And uh, if you need some one-on-one help, from the red pill perspective or weight loss, contact me through the clarity.fm link. Lastly, please post an honest review for this channel. If you don't like my content, post a review. If you love my content, give me a five star. And also subscribe so these episodes come directly to you. And then go check out my two other episodes as well or podcast channels as well, Confessions of an Obese Child where we talk about food addiction. If you want a little backstory and who I am, I have a lot of personal stories over there, especially in the early episodes. And then go to the Female Holistic Health Apothecary where we talk about females' health. Because I don't hate the ladies. I hate the system. Guys, until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than need them. Until next time. Contributed to Nine Inch Nails.